0: When we talk about climate change, it's impossible to neglect the vast impact it's having around the world, from massive wildfires to melting glaciers and rising seas. And one reaction to those impacts that seems to be on the rise is people taking climate cases to court. And one new such lawsuit was filed by six young people in Portugal recently. Let's hear from one of those youths right now. Vivo.
1: I live with the feeling that every year my home is becoming an increasingly hostile place, and I'm aware that as I grow older, I'll be subject to violent heat waves that will last weeks. That frightens me a lot because I don't know what my future will be. If I have children, what sort of world will I be bringing them into? These are the real concerns I live with every day.
0: That's Catarina Mota, one of six young people from Portugal who recently filed a climate case suing 33 industrialised countries for failing to prevent climate change. Our DW colleague Holly Young has been reporting on climate lawsuits. Holly, can you tell our listeners more about this case?
1: Sure. So the Portuguese case has been called groundbreaking because although there's numerous examples of climate litigation happening around the world, it's the first of its kind to be filed at the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. And that's significant because the Strasbourg court has the power to set standards for other courts at the national level. So that means a win there could potentially have a far-reaching impact in multiple European countries at once. Oh.
0: Yeah, that sounds significant.
1: And the fact that these plaintiffs are all young people, I think this adds a really important emotional weight to this case. You know, they told me they were motivated by witnessing the devastating Portuguese wildfires in 2017. And the youngest is now eight years old. So that means when she's 28 in 2040, That's the year UN scientists predict that many of the most severe consequences of climate change will start unfolding. So I think this case really, at the heart of it, it highlights that the climate crisis isn't abstract for many young people. They don't have necessarily the, you know, the carefree
0: childhood that... That that many of us enjoyed. Right, Exactly. But this isn't the only example of climate action in the courts.
1: There's many examples of climate litigation happening around the world. And the most recent high profile example is the Dutch Jurgenda case. And last year, the country's Supreme Court became the first highest level domestic court to establish a country's duty to not only significantly, but also immediately reduce emissions in line with human rights obligations. So we're definitely seeing a few cases like this break new legal ground. Okay, so we've talked about a couple cases, but can we
0: zoom out a bit more here?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important to do. As Sophie Marjanek from Client Earth, which is an environmental law charity, told me the bigger picture is really critical. The law doesn't necessarily move quickly all the time, but we are seeing more and more litigation and more and more helpful judgments that build these principles of
0: environmental protection into um, our legal systems. So such climate lawsuits, are there now more than there used to be? What's kind
1: of significant really is that, you know, particularly in the last few years, the number of these cases have actually been increasing and they're now kind of amounting to what some people are beginning to describe as as a wave of, of climate litigation or even a, a litigation movement. The majority are still in the US, uh, around 80% of cases are, but increasingly there are more and more being brought globally. One particularly exciting area Sophie Marjanek told me about was actually in the business sector. There's a case at the moment against the Australian government for failing to disclose climate risk in the issuing of its sovereign bonds. We might see more cases against banks, central banks, and other financial institutions that don't
0: adequately refer and reference climate risk to potential investors. What about the effectiveness of these types of lawsuits? What kind of outcomes are they seeking and do they achieve those outcomes?
1: That depends on the case and the court, basically. So if we take the Portuguese lawsuit, according to the Global Legal Action Network supporting the case, if it's successful, 33 countries would be legally bound to ramp up their emissions cuts and also tackle overseas contributions to climate change. And as a result of the Dutch Jurgenda case, the government has agreed to reduce coal power by 75%. Um, and that's along with investing €3 billion euros in reducing emissions. So, you know, I think the results of these cases, they can be concrete and substantial.
0: Indeed, that's quite a significant outcome, it seems, but using the courts, it's no silver bullet.
1: That's definitely true. And in many places, it's also expensive or it's difficult to get cases into the courts. And also, we should remember that a big proportion of cases end in defeat. Yeah, Joanna Setzer, who is one of the researchers I spoke to from the Grantham Research Institute on Climate Change and Environment in London, she pointed out how, you know, impacts not just about the decision in the courtroom. I don't want to see courts packed with these cases, but at the same time, you can see how they're both engaging many people in society in this fight. And secondly, they're also shifting both government and corporate
0: behaviour. She talks about shifts in behavior. Can you elaborate on what are those shifts? I would say it's partly about awareness
1: and urgency. Um, We're, of course, seeing ever more evidence of the devastating impact of climate change and also the need to act fast. And Setzer described how awareness of the issue has kind of moved from the scientific community to the civil society space and now to the courts. National legal cultures are also changing to embrace it as an issue. And what she also pointed out was that, you know, protesting or hitting the streets isn't a mode of action that suits everybody. And so it is a way of acting that perhaps taps into, you know, a wider demographic.
0: Holly, thanks so much for joining us
1: today. Thank you.
0: DW.